Hello, intrepid leaders, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Log, where we talk about navigating everyday leadership. And today we're going to be exploring coaching and leadership. When thinking about the various ways to develop leaders, the usual suspects come to mind. Training, webinars, projects, assignments, books, articles. But without a guide, the leader might not get the most out of these experiences or put what they have learned into practice. An experienced and qualified coach can make all the difference in driving results and return on investment for your leadership development efforts. Coaching builds mastery and directly supports greater employee engagement and on-the-job performance by the leader. Coaching for leadership involves helping the leader develop greater capacity to learn from their actual on-the-job experiences. While coaching is certainly a way to reinforce knowledge acquisition from other means, the real learning comes when leaders apply newfound knowledge, theories and assumptions to a real-life application. And as Sir John Whitmore, a leading figure in the field, defined it, skilled coaching involves unlocking people's potential to maximise their own performance. And so, we may not have Mr Whitmore with us here today, but we do have the wonderful Catherine Gale, who's going to be sharing her experiences, perspectives of coaching. Catherine has nearly three decades of experience in the NHS as a senior nursing leader and a nurse consultant in women's health. She is the chair of the Royal College of Nursing Women's Health Forum and she's currently funded to research the working lives of menopausal women in the NHS. Catherine works with women in healthcare leadership roles as a certified coach and trainer. Hello Catherine, welcome and thank you for taking the time for being with us today. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Good, good, good. I hope you're not feeling too nervous today. Yeah, it's good to have a few nerves. Uh, it's a bit of excitement as well as nerves. So it, yeah, yeah it, I'm looking forward to it. It is, it is. And I, it is, it is. And it's going to be a great conversation, I have no doubt. So, um, so and I know that where you live, you've got um, quite a lot of trees and, you've, and we've been having some terrible weather, haven't we? So how are the trees doing? Are they surviving? The trees are surviving. We have lost a few uh, trees over the last oh. year. We've had some terrible storms, but yeah. uh, they're having a good watering today. So, oh, yes, as are, yes, I know, I know. It's very wet during Merthyr as well. But um, I do love a tree. I do love a tree. I find them very, um, very calming, aren't they? I'm not. Mm. I, yeah, I don't particularly go out and about and start throwing my arms around trees necessarily. But I've found myself sat under a tree or two. One, you know now and again um just it's a very calming place a very calming place yeah I think during Covid particularly we lived in a in a city we lived in Bristol during Covid and yeah. um we kept finding when I did have some time off uh from working as a nurse uh in the NHS that we actually went out of the city and it was the countryside and it was the woodland yeah. that I was really seeking to just catch my breath yeah. really process what was going on and just sort of replenish ready for the week ahead yeah. so um that took us to move that took us to move to to west wales which we are where we are now uh in the middle of a woodland so um that's a big move. surrounded <laughs> surrounded by trees so yeah i absolutely love them that's that's really quite a significant move isn't it that's um th- that's quite a big that's a bit that is a big move to take but where but you can't beat wales I have to say, but there's nothing wrong with Bristol. I like Bristol. Visited Bristol on a few occasions, uh, but yeah, you can't you can't beat the countryside and you can't beat the Welsh countryside at that. So, uh, as they say, Croesoi Cymru, welcome to Wales. Oh, <laughs> so, so you are um, a, 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 you are a coach, um, as we've heard in your bio. So, 
I think just to start off with our listeners, it would be really great if we could get your view on what the difference between coaching and mentoring is, because I think sometimes people can maybe get the two confused, maybe. So in your in your view, um, Catherine, in your experiences, what do you what do you see as the difference, the key differences between coaching and mentoring? Yeah, I think, you know, coaching, mentoring, training mm. all come together mm. and they support each other so that, that, yes, they are different. They are vital tools for us to enhance our clinical and our leadership skills. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, you know, mentoring is offered, you know, and I've had mentoring early on in my career, um, and it's usually somebody who's more senior, more experienced. I'm really trying to tap into their wisdom to help guide me where I am in, in my career at that, at that precise moment. Yeah. So it's sort of relying on them, uh, relaying some information that can help me uh you know, where I currently am to get where I might want to get to. Yeah. So that's what I would generally say. So you're looking for, in a mentor, you're looking for somebody who has got those skills that you perhaps don't have or the knowledge you don't have. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and it's been really, I mean, as you know, as a nurse consultant uh, in the NHS, I, I found it really helpful leading up to that point in my advanced practice in seeking those who are already doing it mm. um, to really help me to identify what the career pathway was and, yeah. and, and, and how I might get there. Yeah, yeah. And then... And then coaching is is slightly different because actually it's about tapping into what you already have within you. Mm, not easy, I'm so it, sure. No, <laughs> and I think no. Um, and so coaching is really is that as a coach myself, I believe that my clients will have all the resources that they need within them. And what I'm yeah. trying to do is draw them out so they can use them to get where they want to get to or to mm. um, have some clarity around a challenge that they might having. Yeah. So um, there are times sometimes when it's mentoring you might need and there's also times where we're coaching. If you can have both, which I believe is the ideal situation, then you're going to get the best of the both yeah. in order to, to help you in how you want to sort of move forward. Yeah, I Th those are really great. Um, those are really great d uh, distinctions to make, actually, because I've written down the word here, pioneers. So you're almost looking at those people that have gone before you, that have got that wisdom and the learning. And when you talk about a mentor, what, what I was kind of envisaging was mm. like this pioneer, this kind of, per well, maybe not a pioneer because, you know, a pioneer is somebody who's gone undiscovered lands and things like that. But it's that kind of thinking, isn't it? That's somebody who's been there before you and then you're kind of looking to follow that same path. And and so role modeling, I guess, is a big is a big thing there, isn't it, in terms of mentoring? And as you say, it's that sharing of wisdom, isn't it? So that's really yes. nice. And then and then the difference yeah. with coaching is about looking in into yourself for that uh, internal yeah. wisdom, I suppose, isn't it? Because we've all got a level of wisdom in terms of experience and maybe where we've been and, and what we've done. So that's that's really um, that's a really great that's really clear to me you've defined them very clearly for me so thank you and what I also like is I agree with you I think there's probably times where you'll need both isn't there not just one or the other yeah they complement each other really mm. really well and I think that the mentoring is that sort of nurturing and sort of bringing the best out in your team to get mm. to, to 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 use the uh, give them the skills and the knowledge they need whereas coaching is slightly different I'm you know coaching I'm slightly detached 
from what the outcome is. Yeah. I don't have a any strong desires on where my yes. clients want to get to. It yeah. comes from them. It's very much derived by what it is that they want from yeah. coaching. And sometimes mm-hmm. from mentoring is somebody who is, you're right, and I've stood on the, sh- uh, the shoulders of many giants that have mm-hmm. gone before me. Um, but mentoring might be that you're sort of almost that sort of rising and, and bringing somebody with you. Yes, yes. Um, and so you're very, very clear on what the, the way forward is and, and maybe in what's lacking. And coaching is slightly different. Um, it really is driven by that individual on, mm. on what it is that they desire. Yeah. And then what's stopping them from getting what they want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. It's... So what I guess really, and maybe this is where I should have started before I actually come to think of it, before I said to you what's the difference between coaching and mentoring is, what's fascinating to me is that you are a nurse, you've referred to, you know, you've referred to yourself as a, as a nurse for, uh, on a few occasions. I think it'd be really interesting for our listeners actually, to because one of the conversations I'm having a lot recently is around this modern role of the nurse and that kind of that, you know, there's a lot of nurses moving into less traditional nursing roles or what's seen as a traditional role, nursing role in terms of that you know, direct care kind of nursing roles. So I wondered if you'd like to tell our listeners how you actually went from nursing, being in a nursing role, to now being, uh, you know, an ex- a, a, is it an exec? Do we call you an executive coach? You want to get the, well, no, I'm going to call you an executive coach. <laughs> i call you an executive coach. And I know that your coaching is particularly around women, isn't it? And, and women leaders and things like that. But, you know, I, I don't want to give any spoilers away. It's your story to tell. So it'd be great if you give our give our um, listeners, I nearly said viewers then, give our listeners uh, some insight into Catherine and how Catherine went from being a nurse to being a coach. I think that would be, that would be really interesting yeah. for our listeners. So, yeah, I, I am a coach and, you know, gosh maybe maybe before covid i might have said to you that if you cut me in half like a stick of rock i would have had nurse all the way through and i truly believe that you know um even though i may be not in a traditional role as a nurse i still see myself still as a nurse so nearly three decades working in healthcare um and took very much the advanced practice roles so you know already early on in my career i was perhaps um challenging the traditional roles of a nurse yeah um so very much working in the nurse-led arena um working in women's health and uh, nurse consultants so I was running my own clinics and that would involve you know taking people from uh, referral right through to diagnosis and treatment yeah. and and prescribing so I've always tried to look at situations where what's needed and what can I bring to it and I think that's how I got into advanced practice and I think in a way that's also how I've got into coaching yeah yeah (laughs) because there was what I found was that um I I did get where I always saw myself which was as a matron Mm -hmm. and and I came to my matron role at a time in my life um in my midlife where I was balancing home life and work life Mm -hmm. and there just seemed to be a little bit of a clash yeah and I really felt that um mentoring uh wasn't enough to help me get uh, to a point where I felt there was some ha- some sort of uh, balance between home life and work life. Uh, I very much had reached that point in my career. I got to where I thought I would get to as a matron. I ran a service, you know, and led a service um, in, in Bristol. And 
what I found was that there just didn't seem enough of me. There didn't seem enough of me at work and there didn't seem enough of me at home. Yeah. And there definitely didn't seem enough of me to sort of feel well. Uh, and, and I really made the decision at that point to walk out on my nursing career Very and to focus decision. on... Uh, to be a, a mum and it was really from a place of feeling rather overwhelmed and mm. so um, I sought coaching for myself okay yeah. and I sought initially coaching very much from a professional point of view of how do I keep going how do I keep doing what I'm doing yeah um, and then I sought coaching for very much um, outside of the NHS for a personal level on how do I continue to do what I love mm. Um, and that's as a mother, and that is as a nurse, and yeah. that is as a leader. And so that brought me to my own journey of really making a decision that um, I had to focus on myself yeah. in order to lead well and to do my job well. Mm. Um, and whereas before, I'd always felt that I probably gave from a place of empty Yes. I gave to my patients and I gave to those I was looking for until I had nothing left to give to anyone yeah. else. I wasn't very much for myself or my or my family left. Mm -hmm. And so coaching enabled me to say, what is it that I want? And uh, I love working with women. I love um, helping them to understand their bodies and understand their minds and live the life that they want to live. Mm. So that was very much in, in, in women's health point of view. You can yes. really relate to that. And I've taken that and I've applied it to me as a coach. So when I left the NHS, my clinical role uh, 12 months ago, I trained as a coach. And since then, I've been working with f female healthcare leaders, yeah. um, helping them to get that, find that balance uh, in times of really uncertainty during this yes. COVID period, where actually many of us aren't feeling hundred percent are mm. feeling a little bit depleted yes. and probably underestimating yeah <laughs> no definitely but you know actually what I found coaching enabled me to do is really to focus on not just leading but also focusing on our own health and well-being first and we talk so much don't we about um um menopause brain fog oh um, i get that all the time i think i can see where you were going with your conversation was like we talk about i think you know the well-being of others and we don't often maybe is that where you were going we talk about the well-being of others and we don't really consider our well-being what i really loved about what you said there was around um that you were giving from a place of empty and i'm sure that when this goes that you know when people are listening to this episode there will be so many if you ask people to raise their hands you know, mm. at that point when they hear that in this podcast, I'm sure that there'll be so many people that will be raising their hands at that point. So um, our own self-care is hugely important, isn't it? It, it really is. And, and I, I think for a time, I really struggled with... Um, I think as healthcare professionals, we give so much, we want to help. Yeah. Um, and actually coaching was a way of not always coming up with the solutions, not always trying to fix everything. Yeah. In my own leadership style, it enabled me to just take a step back. Mm. And actually, before I offered help and solutions, to actually find out what somebody, what help looked like yes. and what support looked like for somebody else yeah, yeah. Um, 
And that's when I started to look at uh, a very basic coaching course within in the NHS, which is offered. It's sort of like a, what I would call corridor coaching. You know, take it, it didn't need to be a set time, but just taking maybe 10, 15 minutes with somebody who may be uh, uh, struggling, feeling challenged, maybe around a work situation, maybe around a personal situation. Um, and it really um, started to make me also think about the women that I saw in my clinics and how much more I could offer if we actually, before we offered any advice and support, that we actually looked at how we could support them. I, do you know what? what we could offer. That is hugely, hugely important, isn't it? And I'm sure that, you know, what does it look like for others? So what does that support look like for others, isn't it? Because so very often we we put well-being, we put in well-being um services for want of a better word or, 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 or well-being strategies or, or whatever you know or however that might look and they're quite blanket in approach I suppose because it's very difficult you know it's a finite resource isn't it any employee experience team or whatever um so you know you've got a finite resource so that's why we're always kind of pushed to a point of not one size fits all but let's try and get as many as we can with this one thing because actually we haven't got the resource to be as bespoke as we need to be for people because what does it look like for others will be very different wouldn't it from person to person as it is with everything else and I guess you know one of the things there is from a personal perspective and a patient experience perspective of myself is you know you go through that patient journey there are certain things available to you but actually there was nothing available to me for a specific thing that was particularly important to me at the time i.e a terrible neuropathy in my feet and all I was at my hands and I kept jamming my hands all the time and I just wanted to know what I could do about it but there was no resource out there to kind of help me to do that so I just I, I get there you go I'm going off on a bloody tangent now I'm going off on a tangent but you know to bring it to, to bring us back it, it is about you know often we try and apply this because it's the best that we can do within the resource that we've got I guess isn't it so um so yeah I think that's hugely important and I tell you what else I liked that you talked about there was this whole corridor coaching thing which I quite like that term so that's about those opportunistic kind of um meetings in the corridor like you say as you kind of um trundling along and you might say to somebody and you may dare ask somebody how they're feeling today and that could be a trigger couldn't it I suppose into mm. and I tend to you know not ask once because <laughs> because how many of us when we're first ask uh, are asked how are you you go oh fine thanks yeah yeah you know exactly. and actually uh providing an opportunity where you can say I, how are you how are you really yeah how yeah. are things going on you know and we say it all the time we do well things are difficult at the moment things are challenging yeah. but we don't give people an opportunity to always uh, elaborate on on why it might be challenging for them and yeah. what's going on for them so I think those corridor conversations can be a bit of a door opener even if that person doesn't take up that opportunity to speak with you at that moment I've had a number of people that will um come and find me later on and say do you know you asked how I was yeah yeah I'm not good today yeah so and we you know within our organization when we were working clinically we were checking in with staff initially and saying you know how is everybody and allowing that opportunity for people to say 
I'm not okay today, actually. So that we kind of knew early on if somebody just might need a little bit of extra support during that day. Um, Because that's really important that... Uh, even a, a, we role model it ourselves that I would admit, you know what, last night I didn't have much sleep yeah. uh, or I've had something that's just worrying me. You know, I'm a little bit anxious about today, how it's going to go. H- how's everybody else feeling? Yeah. So the more that I role modeled um, voicing how I was feeling, I found other people were more willing to share yeah. how they were feeling as well. So, yeah. I mean, that leads on quite nicely to my next kind of talking point. My next talking point really was about how coaching can contribute to leadership development. And I guess mm. one of the, one of the biggest things there is about really understanding yourself, I suppose. Is it, is that what, is that one thing that would... <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, coaching for me, when I had coaching, it really gave me the self-awareness that I needed about Mm -hmm. perhaps uh, a greater understanding about my thoughts, uh, my feelings, the emotions that were rising with me, and also how that affected the choices I was making and my behaviours that I was demonstrating. So coaching for me gave me much more insight into how I was showing up, but also how I was leading. So, and I felt that it really enabled me to be very proud of who I am and that I bring a uniqueness to my leadership style. Um, I think sometimes when we look at, at mentoring that we think we have to be like that person, we have to do it in exactly the same way as them. Mm. And quite often, um, Actually, I do things slightly differently because of the, the, my own skills, my own knowledge, my own previous experience. And that's what we need. We need a whole load of diverse ways of, of leading because, you know, as we've learned during COVID, perhaps some of those leadership qualities that we had before, you know, we've needed really different styles of leadership yeah. to adapt to the changes that are going on. So what I felt that it really... Um, did for me was it allowed me I felt like it enabled me to bring that softer side of myself Mm. and that hopefully that calmness I can bring uh, the passion that I bring and draw out in others around me Um, but also it enabled me to sometimes come out of my head and into my body and really which I I truly believe nurses are great at that tuning into our instinct yes. you know that ability to to look it over a ward and to spot that person who's quietly sat there and not rung the bell for a couple of hours and you look at them and you realize they're unwell and you don't yes. know what their observations are but you just know that that, that you need to get over there for me coaching did that to myself Oh, that's interesting. It enabled me to tune in to how I was feeling, how I might be responding to something, maybe pause, make um, look at what I might need in order to make a decision, um, but really tune in to that instinct. Yeah. Uh, for me to really have the greatest, greater impact yeah. in, in, in the area I was working. That, that, again, there's some great stuff that you've talked about there that's really interesting to, to kind of unpack. One of the big things for me, because I think one of the big things you often find with leaders is about how they show up. You talked, you know, that's how you termed it, but it's about recognising your behaviours, isn't it? And how yes. how they make you show up, isn't it? So your stress responses and all those sorts of things, because you see leaders sometimes under a great amount of stress, they become almost like a different person. Um, yeah. And so I guess coaching is something that can help you recognise when when that's happening. And when I was, you know, I was 
looking at kind of coaching and leadership or whatever there's, there's two bits to this really isn't it and the bit we're talking about i suppose is how coaching or being coached as a leader can help you but there's also something here isn't there is about being i don't get this the right round way round but the co but the leader as a coach that's right isn't it so as a leader Absolutely. how do i coach others so there's something about me being coached and then you've talked about this i guess in some a little bit is around then as a leader um how is important how important is it then i then am able to coach others too and i suppose i guess my question is do you so you talked about having that level of instinct and tuning into your own instinct and understanding yourself better I suppose can only make you a better coach then for others absolutely yeah absolutely and I think um I, I think you're absolutely right because actually coaching is about it is about exploring thoughts around something maybe fears around something yeah and if I can do that and tune into my own fears when I'm in a situation I can then um, now hold that space for somebody else to do that yeah so you know n without judgment um without uh, any connection usually see outcome I can yeah. hold that space for them to explore yeah. what they might be th feeling what they might be thinking uh, without that worry of it's going to be deemed you know you're uh, going to be judged you're going to be um, make a, a mistake it yeah. gives us that place to play with things yeah to yeah. roll if just have, how would it work if I made that choice what would the outcome be what am I worried about if I did, took this action mm. it's those sort of it gives that safe space to to really have a think about what action you want to take yeah. with confidence yeah. what decision you want to make with confidence yeah um so as a as a and i think that's when you build confidence your own ability um outside of coaching yeah all these tools that you can just pause you can i'm not talking long but pause and just have to think Okay, in the past, I might have done, made this decision. Yeah. What decision am I going to make today with the new knowledge I have, the new information I have, experience I have? Yeah. Um, and I think then we're more likely to take action. Yeah, yeah. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that um, there have been things in the past where I've had a fear around maybe voicing my own opinions. Yeah or or making um my voice heard in meetings mm. through fear of judgment mm. or through, through fear of um you know somebody disagreeing with me yeah or I saying mean, the wrong thing or yeah looking thing yeah so coaching um when we can create a coaching environment where actually that you know you can can say what you think without judgment mm. and then from that you can go yes and somebody else then sparks some thinking off on on another and takes that idea a little bit further yeah. it means that we can pull all of that experience in a room together to make a much better decision about what we might need to do in a situation mm. like covid yeah <laughs> no absolutely and you know already so um so i'm my role is in the improvement space, so I work in quality improvement, um, and so co coaching conversations are hugely. So if you, you know, I can go in and do improvement for a team, but the best 
outcome is to do an improvement with a team. So there's some mentoring mm. there for sure, because it's about, mm. you know, sharing that wisdom, knowledge and whatever part of it. But then part of it is getting them, it's almost getting people to synthesize what they're learning as well, isn't it? And internalizing that and being able to use it for themselves when I step out. So, yes. yeah, so to grow that capacity and capability, I think that coaching plays a, can play a huge part in that because those coaching conversations that you have with a team from a from a quality improvement point of view is about them tapping into well okay what can i do here how can i you know how do i contribute here um what is it that's within my circle of influence here that i can do what are the things that are not in my circle of influence that i need to not get so worried about and not so stressed out about and then you know because it's though usually those things that are outside our circle of influence are the things that stress us out the most and those are the things then contribute towards maybe some bad behaviors um or behaviors we don't necessarily want to see in ourselves either isn't it do you know what i mean yeah and i think uh, you know quite often when those behaviors show up it's because we're not okay yes yeah exactly yeah yeah and and or maybe we don't even realize that we're doing it yeah so that self-awareness could then help us to you know really self-manage our behavior yeah yeah um to apologize you know to have that apology to say to say <laughs> do you know what i showed up today not in the best best way yeah uh but actually do you know what i haven't had my lunch i haven't been to the toilet i've worked you know more hours than i normally do or should do yeah. or and actually um that self-awareness really helps the thing is most of us won't realize how we show up <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> no i know and that's part of the problem but then some people don't want to know either do they they, they, they you know they it's it's in it's, you know it's quite interesting that some people might are not actually that interested or or actually are that fog i don't know actually are like well can't see their no matter how much coaching you use with them they still are unable to see their contribution to a situation through their own behaviors which is which fascinates me sometimes it really fascinates me so i think there's some clear cases there that you've you've articulated brilliantly around um how coaching can contribute to leadership both from a leadership development as in developing you as a leader but also in coaching others you know as a leader and so it's i wonder what you think are some of the primary tools of the trade if you like for being a coach what for you what do you think are the tools that are most useful for people if they're going to be embarking on a coaching relationship with somebody yeah, so I think the most important thing is rapport. You know, not everybody who comes to me for coaching, I may not be the right person for them. Yeah. I may not, um, I may believe that somebody else may be able to help them um, more than myself. So really that rapport is really important and creating mm. that safe, uh, safe space mm-hmm. for someone to truly um, disclose when they feel comfortable, but disclose what's going on for them in, in their thought processes um, without feeling judged and I think um that ability to hold a really adult conversation um uh, with somebody yeah yeah and, allow, and and just and to allow them to um think things through without me always wanting to step in and help them yes uh, I think that's really really important and I think as uh, you know supporting them to 
challenge their way of thinking so that they feel safe to do that they can really explore what their thinking is around something and by that I tend to just listen I know I'm speaking a lot today (laughs) no well that's the whole point to be fair in your defense in your defense the whole idea is because normally it's me speaking too much so I'm deliberately not trying I deliberately try not to speak too much because it is usually me but I get what you're saying I think it's really important there's two really important things that, that you mentioned and actually you've mentioned this before this particular part of our conversation but you've talked about space before mm. and so a lot of people ref- the silence isn't it sometimes it's being okay comfortable in silence because some people i struggle with being okay in silence i'm getting better and listening is hugely important isn't it because oh, um, i'm not the best i have to say i'm not the best listener and there are reasons for that when you mentioned earlier about your menopause brain i'm right there with you Catherine. if that makes you feel any better and so sometimes then i feel like i have to throw out everything that's in my brain because i think i'm going to forget about it but one of the things i've started to try and do but again i'm not very good at it um because it's about habit isn't it about practice I've got a little Mm. book now where I write things down I wanted to say these are things I want to say so I kind of write them down Mm. but I don't always get to say them so there's something Mm. about being okay with not getting to say what you think you should have said or whatever and and all that kind of less is more but those are two big things for me interesting and actually challenging things for me so maybe that's why I've picked up on them so one is that space and that silence but space for me in my thinking to understand what it is that I want to say but as a coach likewise space for the person you're coaching to, to digest whatever it is they need to digest think about what they need to think about and push and then you know and then come back to it and then and also yeah sorry no 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 you know, it's that listening, but it's also listening for what's not said. Absolutely. If yeah. I'm thinking of the next question or what I want to say, then I'm not listening. I'm not really mm. devoting um, uh, the space to listen. Mm. Um, because quite often, you know, I know in, in clinic, when you're working clinically, you're thinking of your next question you want to ask. Mm. Aha, I need to know that information and that information yeah. and that information. I know, I know. <laughs> and actually, um, the move into coaching has enabled me to, one, yes, you're right, be comfortable with the silences. But I'm mm. also really listening for what's not said and that might like be that. Yeah. um that might be uh it might be the way that they uh, respond to something that there's no emotion in there mm. so i might be saying then i might want to tap into what, what was their feeling around that what was mm. their motivation for that so sometimes I'm, I'm i'm listening to maybe a belief they might have about themselves i might be an emotion that they uh haven't touched on but there's something there yeah, that is yeah. making this really important for them to, to talk about. So I think, yeah, really it's space, it's listening, and then it's the questioning, and then I'm digging a little bit deeper. Because yeah. I'm definitely somebody who, when I'm processing something, I need to verbalise it. Yes. Definitely need to verbalise it. So I really get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that's why I really enjoyed being coached myself, yes. was it allowed me to do that um, rather than 
than ruminating over problems and not really getting any clarity on it because I think that's the important thing with coaching is that you're listening you're questioning and then you're giving them an opportunity to look at what options there are for them yeah yeah and when they choose an option they're comfortable with helping them to put the steps in place to take action yeah what would stop them you know doing that yeah. and quite often we all know what we need to do but we don't do it yeah um maybe that's you know not going for that promotion that we we want to take because of fear that we may not get it or not speaking up in a meeting when we know we've got really something positive to contribute to so really supporting them to take action and then holding them to account as well that you know because you're seeing them regularly Mm. you're able to come back to something and say do you know we talked about this previously do you remember we talked about this and you brought to light that maybe there was a a fear of failure and then we can bring we can make that connection and say what helped with that Mm. previous situation and what would help now so I think um building uh, a relationship over a, a long, slightly longer period of time really helps uh, to help the, you know the clients to move forward yeah. and really build their tools for being self-sufficient in the future. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. So my thinking's kind of like going towards. So one of the things you said about listening, I think that links back in as well, doesn't it, to your thing about instinct? Because the way you were describing listening then, and and I loved what you said about listening for what's not said and that kind of goes back to instinct i suppose doesn't it and because you've got to be kind of tuned in i suppose to to a to human beings broadly than like a health professional or whatever in terms of there's something not quite right here there's something quite amiss there's something i need to kind of dig a bit deeper but then and then I got to thinking, well, actually, you're, you're only going to get out. You're only going to get out of that what that person, your coachee or your client, is willing to put in. So as a, you know, as a coachee, if I'm not willing to be, so again, when you said it's holding them accountable for what they do, you know, that you're only mm. going to get out of a coach. It doesn't. You could have the most brilliant coach in the world, couldn't you? But surely you're only going to get out of that relationship what you're willing to put into it so I guess as a coachee and I guess one of the things I hadn't considered until we started having a conversation is so we've talked a lot about how coaching can help and how brilliant coaching is and all that sort of thing but we haven't really focused on the coachee I suppose in terms of what do they need to bring to the relationship because that's equally as important I would think is it yeah absolutely it really is a it's a partnership yeah it really is a partnership and so um I will ask for permission to challenge so if I say you know this is something that we've talked about many times before yeah um (laughs) still not doing anything about it (laughs) we can either park this yes not go there or is this somewhere that you want us to spend the time so at the start of each session i will say what's your intention for this session what would be most helpful for you now i might come to that that session with a clear idea what i want to work on (laughs) definitely need to work on that that's not going to help because actually they may not be ready they may not be in a place Mm. um uh to, to work on that aspect of them so really it's holding a space for them to bring whatever they want to and I also you can't rush these things it really is um and I've realized this things do come back you know I've been I've now had coaching for 
um, it must be nearly eight years oh, wow. um, on and off I've had coaching. So what I've realized is it you just can only deal with what's on the surface. And then yeah. you can go a little bit deeper the next time and then a little bit deeper the next time. Yeah. And so quite often we'll work on one particular thing with um, a coaching client um, over sort of a 12-week period. Because you can't say, I'm going to have 12 weeks and everything's sorted. I'm never going to need coaching again. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I know, sorry. I don't have you not got a, a magic coaching wand, Catherine, that you can just I go ting? <laughs> I absolutely wish. I really wish it. I had. But it really is, you know, they the client will bring what they want to discuss yeah. and we will go as deep as they want to go at that current yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where trust comes. Trust is so important mm. um, that we're not going to, you know, I don't want to traumatize somebody I don't want to uh, make it an uncomfortable experience I want them to, to, to I want them to have the, the insight and I want them to have the aha that that realization that that's why I do that that's yeah. why I struggle with that I might have picked that up weeks before I mean I may not have had that realization yeah. it may come from them and I may not have realized it it is a very personalized yeah. um, experience yeah definitely yeah. no I just it's interesting I think because listening to your um and as somebody who's about to embark on a on a coaching a course of coaching um just happens to be with yourself um <laughs> which is why it's important i think for us to have this um to do this podcast before we probably get into that isn't it in some ways but if i was just thinking to myself all of a sudden i was like i guess i was thinking to myself hmm i have to you know i i'm only going to get out of my coaching relationship with you what i what i'm happy to put in isn't it um so you know i'm putting my hand up here now i do solemnly swear to uh, <laughs> to bring my whole self to my coaching but no it, it's it just got me to thinking because some at the end of the day we're human beings are very complex people aren't we we're very diverse mm. people will have had different experiences during their yes. you know and even if you're in the actual exact same situation with somebody else each of those people will experience it and internalize it differently won't they in terms of whatever yeah, happens so i just thought it was a really great just just before we kind of kind of finish off our our, our conversation around coaching because there's so much we could explore but you know just and again it's kind of just touching on the surface of some of this stuff isn't it i just thought it would be a great way to kind of finish off a conversation just to think about the coachee themselves so the person as a coach um uh, the person being coached and the importance mm. of them being almost open to being vulnerable i i, I guess that's what you're asking and for honest. isn't it and honest yeah. and yeah and you know but i also you know don't expect it if, if somebody's you know sets uh, agrees in action and doesn't do it the reasons why they didn't do it are, are more important yes. than the action them doing it mm. exactly mm. so yeah. i think that that's what I've, that's I've good learned. to know that's good to know <laughs> that's good to know <laughs> i put that out there because you know yeah i am just so it's so but I, I it's fascinating i'm gonna i'm quite fascinated to get our get our coaching relationship underway Catherine. <laughs> I just really say sorry to you it. now I say sorry to you now uh, maybe no. we should do yeah yeah but no apology um, needed it's been mm. look it's been great to, um 
chatting to you and as always when I'm having these podcasts the time just flies so quickly and it just there's so much that that we could touch on but I think we've had some great conversation today about coaching coaching as a as a tool to use as a leader with others but also coaching as a tool that leaders can use for themselves I think that's really important and the whole idea of like there's some great I think you know I've 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 jotted down a few you gave a few nice little nuggets in there um give from a place giving from a place of empty um there's some lovely things you used in there. the the terminology you used was lovely I like the corridor coaching um and the looking for what's not said I think that's like that's really important so there's some really key learning there for me and I'm sure that the listeners will pick up on it as well so thank you so much Catherine but as you know I haven't quite finished with you yet so um in the interest of um being predictable um and having no it's it's all about consistency but we ask all of our guests because we are truly interested um to know do you have a leadership quote or a mantra or a philosophy that you try and embody on a day-to-day basis so that you could be the best leader that you can be yeah this is really important for me during covid i think when the times were really uncertain yeah things were out of our control that uh the sort of mantra that i had was that i might not always get a choice about what i do right but i do get a choice about how i do it ah i like it very good yes so sometimes when things are out of our control uh we may be doing things that don't always sit very comfortably with us yeah. we get a choice about how we do it yes um and that was really important to me during covid yeah to bring that human side of my leadership my softer skills of my yeah. leadership yeah. to such difficult times yeah i like that because i am of a mind that and I may not always I may not always live this but I am of a mind that we always have a choice there's always a choice even in the darkest of times so you know as somebody who was diagnosed with cancer I still had choices I had choices in terms of the treatment I had choices you know so there's always a choice they might not be great choices but but there is always a choice isn't there there is always something that you can do um, you can choose to not do anything or you can choose to do something. Absolutely. So I really like that. Thank you. Um, and then this is the bit that I get very excited about because, you know, it challenges my three dinner guests every single time. So three dinner guests, dead or alive, real or fictional, who are you inviting, Catherine? Oh, I would love an opportunity to have Michelle Obama. She's I doing love... well, you know. <laughs> she's doing really well lots of people want michelle uh, well she might be very busy but i would like michelle Obama in a room because i love the way that she is empowering the future generation of young people that for me is really really important Um, and i love the fact that she is uh, you know enabling them to be the leaders they want to be yes yes i think that's really important yeah she's a great role model isn't she (laughs) she's a great role model yeah she is she is i then think obviously i would have to have brené brown do you know what i just knew i knew you were going to say brené brown (laughs) i just knew old brené was coming out i knew it (laughs) but um again she's another one that's getting a lot of love uh, uh, in these three dinner guests yeah yeah go on why 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 Brené? I sometimes wonder. I sometimes wonder if Brené Brown actually 
has a path into my head. She seems uh, to yeah. really say um, uh, things that really can I connect with. So yeah. I love the way that she really role models this um, this need to learn. Yes. This rather than uh, that coming from a place of knowing. So I think for my coaching, that really appeals to me that, yeah. that I come into coaching with a client to learn and understand more than rather than coming from a place of I know what is needed and, and what needs to do. So I absolutely love that, yeah. particularly in times of uncertainty. You know, it's very easy um, to think that because uh covid the old things that we've done in the past are going to work actually we need to just reconsider what our options are about the way that we do things and then finally um jacinda arden who i have just i i just absolutely am in awe of how she has led us through such challenging times and how she's really responded to world events with true kindness and empathy um, and how she's willing to make hard decisions which Mm. other people may be less willing to yeah yeah and maybe not surprisingly all of your choices are female choices as well but really really great i mean why wouldn't you choose them you know, there's some, the, you know, the three of those. I w- I'd happily sit at that dinner table if you could get them to join. You are most welcome. I would love to be there. I would love to be there. But I, I do you ever think, though? So I, this is something I haven't said to anybody else. But so I, we always ask, funnily, then again, this is just one of these kind of dawn on me kind of moments. We never really, I never really ask people, you know, how would you feel if the situation should arrive where you would actually meet one of these people, you know, one of these kind of, people my my overriding feeling would be i would just be like blah, 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 you know because it's like who are you? you know oh my god because it's like oh yeah i'd like to meet michelle obama and brenny brown and like you meet them and then you just turn into this like blah, blah, blah. yeah i think yeah yes yes i think i probably forget what my name is and forget who i am and, yeah exactly and why I, I oh, that's but, good but if i if I could just, I would practice my breathing. I would just uh, tap into my instinct and truly believe that I would ask an intelligent question. See, the eternal coaching you came in there, didn't it? And you, you, you and I, I would, because I'd probably just be like, well, for five minutes, and then probably they couldn't shut me up. So they'd probably prefer me in my non verbal state to my verbal state, to be fair. <laughs> so, talking of being too verbal. I'm just I'm going to round off our episode there. Fantastic, fantastic dinner guest choices. Catherine, it's been absolutely lovely to chatting to you um, today. So this that brings this episode to a close. And all that remains is for me to thank you for being our guest and to thank our listeners for listening. Um, and until next time, it's goodbye from Catherine. Thank you. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from us. Thanks for listening to The Leadership Blog, where we're navigating everyday leadership. This is a non-affiliated podcast and any views, thoughts and opinions expressed by the hosts or guests belong solely to them and not necessary to their employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual.